What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 164 of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to don't be a jerk. Don't really answer the question first. I'm not answering the question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talk about beards. Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are The Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com, and you can always reach us by emailing thebeardvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what we've been eating, go over the news, and then ask the question, should vegans be protected by anti-discrimination laws? Paul, I have such a huge smile on my face right now. And why is that, Andy? Because we haven't really recorded a, a proper episode in a very long time. Six it's weeks true. now. It's true. I thought it was going to be because I didn't get tripped up by that, that little blip in the, uh, the intro script there. No, that would only warrant a smile if I slipped something in at the last second and then you were still able to overmount, overmount, overcome, the, overmount, overcome that hurdle. Uh, no, Paul, it's uh, we. I've been missing you. I've been missing our weekly recording sessions. I know. It feels like, yeah, it's it's been a while that we've recorded anything. But yeah, the last things that we recorded were those those interview ones. So it's been a really long time since we've recorded a, a regular episode. But here we are in 2019. Doing yes. the dang thing. Yeah, so ha- happy New Year's to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for those that were paying attention, though, we actually we did release something new uh, a couple weeks ago. Put a little bonus episode out into the world on our Patreon. Yeah, we, we did a review. You might remember, I believe it was a regular episode last year that we reviewed Vegan 2017, the kind of year vegan year in review, semi-short documentary by Plant-Based News. And this year we did Vegan 2018, the appropriately titled uh, year of review of all the vegan goodness that happened this past year so and and some not so goodness and some not so goodness too yes yes and then in that we also i feel like andy i don't know if this was planned but we did a pretty extensive review of the just egg (laughs) (laughs) yeah so much so that when i went to make the episode title i was like all right so this is both a vegan 2018 review and a just egg review because for those that are, do not follow along on our little Instagram journey there, I finally got my hands on a bottle of the the liquid just egg. I won't talk about it in this episode <laughs> other than to say if you're curious to see the culmination of that journey because we talked about the various forms of the just egg purchased at restaurants across m- multiple at least two episodes. And I was still on the hunt for the liquid stuff, the kind that's like egg beaters that you just pour it out of the bottle into the pan to make a scramble with i finally found it and we did an a, like an 18 minute long <laughs> review of that so if you're curious to hear the review of vegan 2018 or the just egg review you can go to our patreon page the best way to get there is just to head right to thebeardedvegans.com slash beardo and you can follow the patreon link from there and no matter what amount you support us on patreon even a dollar a month gets you access to all the bonus episodes so you know we always 
always we always appreciate that support. And Paul, I I feel like I'm enjoying these vegan 2018, 2019, 2017 reviews that we've been doing. You know, going into the review, I think we both kind of acknowledge like I don't know how long this is going to be of a review. I don't know how much we have to say about it. But then we had a very long and fruitful discussion about that yeah. film. Yeah, not just about the just egg. Yeah, just egg. Just egg. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good. It was fun. And definitely, definitely check it out. Let us know what you think. And it was a good one. Yeah. Paul, mm-hmm. did, you, did you have a nice break? I think I had a pretty good break. Yeah, it was it was nice because I had a break both from school and from the podcast. So I was able to do nothing for, for a week or so, which is rare in my life and now i kind of have to get back into it not just with the podcast but with school stuff as well so hopefully that break left me refreshed i got to see hamilton which i've been trying to see for a very long time and i cried and it was beautiful and and everything i dreamed of how was yours andy mine was good i like that you finally got to see hamilton uh that is like i feel like that's been a i want to say lifelong but like a (laughs) two-year-long dream of yours for me personally my lifelong dream will culminate by the time this episode comes out uh, i will have seen the the new escape room movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which (laughs) comes out this weekend or last weekend if you're listening to this in a timely manner i also thank you to the dozens of listeners that have tagged me in trailers for escape room the movie (laughs) i'm glad that that is officially a part of my brand at this point so how many escape rooms did you go to this this winter break Ooh, good question uh in the time that we stopped recording regular episodes i have been to six escape rooms excellent Yes. Uh, uh, three of those were done on one day. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Can't stop, won't stop. And uh, yeah, I have, uh, Paul, I, honestly, I wish I could have an escape room podcast because I have so many thoughts. I, for the first time, I was stuck in rooms with strangers, mm-hmm, which um, mm-hmm. was a real mixed bag, mostly a bad mixed bag, but uh, <laughs> I won't go into that. I won't bore people <laughs> with that maybe, here. But Maybe that's what we'll do our next bonus episode on escape rooms <laughs> just escape rooms and yeah but anyway to answer your question uh, the break was good uh, it it didn't feel like much of a break because for me december is like holiday shipping uh time when it's just like every day people are expecting their orders out so there's there's really not much break there and and so it's kind of like gear switch a little bit for me but it was nice to have a little bit of a break from the podcast though i was you know looking back on it i'm really happy with the selection of interviews that we put out over the last five episodes yeah no i think we i think we nailed it andy (laughs) so we're gonna pat ourselves on the back for that (laughs) Uh, hopefully you all did go listen to those interviews because i mean honestly everyone that we got on there of the three new ones so stoked to have all of those people on the show and then it was really fun to bring back some older interviews from the archives that most people probably haven't heard before and also to to reminisce about them and reflect on them a little bit Mm -hmm. and you know i would definitely love to do more like that in the future me too. Me too, Andy. So with all that being said, I, I, I like what we're about to talk about, Andy, because it's related. What what uh, related to each other, I guess. What have you been eating? <laughs> you know, surprisingly, I did not really go out to eat at that many new fun places during the, these last five weeks. A lot more home cooking. I was, you know, staying with my parents and watching their house while they were on a trip. So I got to do a lot of home cooking. And the culmination of that was our little annual New Year's Eve celebration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we've probably spent at least what, the last four New Year's Eves together, maybe. 
I think just three. Just three? All I right. think. Okay. Well, soon to be four. <laughs> and so every year we try to have like a, a theme. Like we did like Thanksgiving kind of food. We did Southern food one year. This year it was just bring something delicious. Mm-hmm. And so I cracked open the Super Fun Times Vegan Holiday Cookbook by Isa Chandra Moskowitz. And that cookbook is just such a treasure trove of so many good mm-hmm. recipes. Um, I've made several from that book in the past. It's something that I got for my parents for Christmas one year, and they have loved everything they've made out of it. But for this specific New Year's Eve celebration, just wanted to say I made the the artichoke dip, which oh. you, you sort of bake in the oven, gets a little crispy with the, the breadcrumbs on top. You liked it, Paul? It was phenomenal. It was so creamy. It, oh man, it was we. <laughs> it was the it was three of us, and we like demolished that art that plate of artichoke <laughs> dip in in minutes. I so fast that I burned the roof of my mouth, and I'm still feeling the effects of that to this day. <laughs> to this and, very day. Yes, and the other thing I made from the book was the chipotle mac and cheese with Brussels sprouts. So it's mm-hmm. like a homemade cashew based uh, cheese sauce and some actual chipotle peppers in there and. Is just very delicious. I've never actually, I don't think I've ever made a mac and cheese from scratch before. Like, I, it's just not something that I do. Like, I, I love to get it at restaurants, but, you know, and I've, I've made like the Upton's Mac, I've made the Daya Mac, all of those things from boxes, but never where you like make the cheese. So mm-hmm. it was, it was very delicious. Yeah, I can second that. I still got some in my refrigerator that I'm going to demolish after we finish recording this. I will say the the other thing that I usually make from this cookbook for celebrations, but didn't this year because we were only down to three people because two had to bail, and that was there's a recipe for deviled potatoes in there. Mm-hmm. So it's like deviled eggs, but they're little potatoes instead. I love it. I mean, really, it's just kind of like a fancy way to eat potato salad, but <laughs> they look amazing. They take a great photo. If you scroll back in our Instagram from last year, you'll probably see a photo of it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just wanted to plug that cookbook because I feel like... I have made so much good stuff from that book. And when I was looking through to find recipes this year, I was just like, I want to make that. I want to make that. I want to make that. We should make this. Let's do this. Take a picture of that. And there's just so much. It's There's like over 200 recipes in there, I think. It must have taken forever to put it together. And it, I don't know. It feels like a nice thing to recommend a cookbook to folks that they can they can partake at their own home instead of traveling to one restaurant that's <laughs> somewhere that most of our listeners will never get to. No, I completely agree. I also gifted that cookbook to my mom a couple years ago, and we've made tons of dishes from that. And every single one of them is that I that we've made is a winner. So great cookbook. That cranberry sauce, mm-mm-mm. best cranberry <laughs> sauce I've ever made. Uh, but Paul, you've been you've been cranking out a specific dish a lot in the last like week or two. <laughs> Uncharacteristically, I've been home. I've been making a lot of food for myself that isn't just Guardian chicken tenders. A uh, quick quick side note, though, I did get an air fryer for Christmas, and I made some some nice tendies in that air fryer. Mm. Really stepping up my air fryer game. Ooh, Paul, you know you you saying that you really need to pick up uh, JL Fields, friend of the show, previous guest on the show. Uh, JL Fields has a whole book about vegan air frying recipes, and I know you're one to just throw some tofu or some guardian in there, but there's some really good stuff in there. Can you throw tofu in the air fryer? You can throw anything in that air fryer, baby. Not maybe oh. not water. Like you can't do a liquid in the air fryer, but anything else. <laughs> Some fried water. Yeah. But so uncharacteristically, I've been making a lot of a lot of stuff for myself. But characteristically, I've fixated on one thing, which I tend to do is I just find something that's really easy and make it over and over again for weeks. This thing is not so easy. So 
with basically on one of the first days of of the the break i hung out with andy and our other friend josh and both of them helped me make an eggplant parm for my family and eggplant parm is something that we my family has a lot and and it's a very sentimental dish for us so i was like you know what i'm going to surprise them and make this eggplant parm i'd never done it before and yeah it came out it came out pretty good it's pretty pretty time consuming to make because if you got to fry all those little little eggplant slices which just takes a long time but yeah i made it for them and then i made it a second time because we were going over some other family friends and i was like oh i'll just make this again and then i made it a third time for for our little new year's eve party and yeah it came out pretty pretty darn good i'd say i, I think people have seemed to enjoy it which is more than i can say for most of the dishes that i make <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and if you need an eggplant parm, hit me up. I'll make you that eggplant parm. I ha- we had the last, you know, there was there was so many leftovers from this meal. So I had the last slice of the eggplant parm last night and sh- and shed a tear. <laughs> Can I put that in the air fryer? Yes, I'm doing. <laughs> Honestly, it. I-, I don't know. You probably could. All right. Well, with all of that said, it's time for the very first news story of 2019. And I love this because it, I think it ties into our main discussion just a little bit. So, Paul, hit us with this this piece of news. Yeah. So this one is coming to us from vegnews.com. Vegan Job Finder tool launches next month. Vegan recruitment website www.veganjobs.online will launch on January 21st as the United Kingdom's first fully functioning job board for candidates and recruiters, according to the human resources consultancy firm that founded the site. Vegan Jobs was born out of a necessity to support vegan business owners with their recruitment needs. Candidates can search for vegan jobs, including freelance, temporary, fixed-term, part-term, or permanent positions, list their skills and resume, and be notified of vegan jobs that become available in their area. The HR consultancy firm is already working with leading vegan businesses who are in full support of the website, and it is anticipated that the list of candidates will grow to over 500 by the time the site launches. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's it's just like a, a nice piece of news to start off the year. Like we're, we're trying to will positivity into mm-hmm. existence mm-hmm. right now. But yeah, I think this is pretty cool. It's, it's interesting because I know in the past, Paul, we've we've talked about two different stories, one of which was a place that it was like a vegan ice. Or it was an ice cream shop that refused to hire a vegan because they wouldn't be able to taste all the flavors. I think that's mm-hmm. what it was. And then there was also the issue of it was like a vegan advocacy group that someone said they were being discriminatory because they were seeking to hire vegans. Yes. Uh, which uh, I, that one specifically felt a little silly to me, you know, like obviously you want people passionate about the cause that you're involved in. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like something like this, obviously this is the UK. We are United States based, but hopefully something like this could be replicated around the world or maybe they could open up the job listings to the U S but I feel like this is just kind of like a nice thing. And I think people should know about it. Yeah. And, and, and also it doesn't seem like it's going to fall into any controversy like those other two stories, because this is just a job site. So it's, it's just a way to find these jobs. Like I, I imagine Maybe some of these jobs are letting veganjobs.online know that they're available, but it's not like, you know, applying through this job through vegan jobs would be different than applying to it 
just like in person or something like that. So I feel like it, it, it eliminates this whole, this like bias piece that, that those other two stories had. And it's just like, Hey, here's a way to find this type of job. You're interested in this sort of thing. Here's an easy way to find this instead of having to, you know, Google search yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, we get a decent amount of emails from people that are sort of asking for advice or asking our opinions on navigating, you know, a a number of different obstacles that people hit when they're working at quote unquote non-vegan jobs. And I, you know, having resources like this, because a lot of people say, well, I don't like my job and I'd like to be, be doing something that's more in line with my ethics. So hopefully this type of website can help people connect with jobs that are maybe more in line with their ethics. And I, I think this is a pretty positive thing. Yeah. And and I, I wonder, you know, it's like, I wonder what kinds of jobs are on there because in my mind, how many vegan jobs, like what, what is, you know, what is a vegan job? Because obviously I would say working for a vegan, like nonprofit or something like that, or an advocacy group, clearly that's a vegan job, but also working at a vegan restaurant, a completely different type of job, but still that would also be considered a vegan job. What if it's like a vegetarian restaurant or something that's a restaurant that has is very vegan friendly or those sorts of things. So I am wondering how maybe there's different filters on it or something like that. But like, I just, I guess I wonder if it gets, if this gets popular, is there enough quote vegan jobs to meet the demand of the growing list of candidates? Or is it just going to be a, like a undersaturated market and there's not enough jobs to go around to the, the vegans that want them? Yeah, I mean that's interesting. It makes me wonder: Would they? I mean, because the this press release, I assume we're basically reading a press release that Veg News sort of just kind of rephrased, maybe a little bit. Says it's to support vegan business owners and their recruitment needs. So it seems like it would be companies that have a specific vegan message, or you know, maybe even a place like the Just Foods or something like that, where they're like they're not necessarily promoting veganism necessarily, but you know, they're they're their goal is to create alternatives to animal products. Uh, You know, I assume it'd be for places like that, but yeah. What if it is just like an accounting firm and you find that there's no conflict with animals in what you do or, you know, something like data entry or something like that, you know, and would those types of places get listed on here? I'm guessing not, but maybe there could be like a separate category. But also, it's hard to imagine that a place like an accounting firm or a CPA or something would would seek out something like veganjobs.online as opposed to Craigslist or you know whatever, ZipRecruiter or whatever yeah. other websites are out there. So I, I'd imagine it'd be for people that have a specific ideological mission as a part of their brand and want to make sure that the money they're paying their employees is going to continue to support the values of the company, you know? And I'm wondering if I'm being unrealistically optimistic. Cause I, cause I mean, I think that on its own, just in, in, in the context that this is existing, I like, I'm glad that this thing exists. It seems useful for people that, that want a specific type of job. So that's cool. But I'm wondering also if maybe the fact that this exists would like somehow encourage, I don't know. I'm trying to think of if it has any positive impact for veganism as a whole, other than just 
a convenient thing for vegans, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that animal liberation is going to rest on <laughs> vegan jobs that online being, being, <laughs> being vegan jobs available. But I think that ultimately my conclusion in these situations is that things that make it easier for people to be vegan is a good thing. And I, you know, increased accessibility to vegan options and all of these things sort of fall under that category that, yeah, they might not be the thing that's going to liberate all animals, but it could be just sort of like another little, little chip in this, the wall of speciesism. And I, I view it as a good thing, but, but you were bringing up that point about, is there going to be enough candidates or is there enough jobs to reach the candidates? I, I kind of imagine it's going to be something like there's not that many jobs and there's a lot of people that want the job. So maybe it could help these vegan businesses just as soon as they post something, they're going to get a flood of people that are trying to apply. And so that'll help these vegan businesses, you know, grow and thrive. And, you know, again, I, I don't think that consumerism is the way to liberation, but I do think that the growth of these things makes it easier for people to be vegan. And as a part of the bigger picture, I think that that is important. And also, I think it's, you know, again, we don't know how many jobs there are, but if we can, the for the people that are able to get a job through this, you know, it it it's, I feel like it's awesome that it's someone that's most likely getting a job that aligns with their ethics and, and also they're going to be in some community assume, assuming I'm kind of assuming this, they're going to be a community at their job with other like-minded people. And so I, I think it could, this could help the community building aspect of, of the vegan movement for those, you know, for those people that are, that are able to get jobs through this, which is, which is also nice. I mean, it's like how many people really have jobs that, that align with their morals and ethics. I feel like it's difficult to, if you're just looking for jobs, you know, cause you need a job to pay rent and, and to survive. Like it's, it's probably not easy to find a job. That's something that you either love doing or like aligns with your morals. So, so that's cool. It's cool. Yeah. So yeah. So that launches on January 21st of 2019. So I guess if you're in the UK, keep an eye out for that and we'll keep an eye on it and hopefully it spreads hopefully it's successful and hopefully it spreads to other countries yeah yeah all right paul so we haven't had a chance to thank our our new patreon donors in a while because we pre-recorded all of our our interview episodes but even in our absence as we're just sort of auto posting these interviews so we could take a little bit of a break there are some wonderful people out there who decide to join us along this journey and help support the podcast at the rate of at least one dollar a month and so we got to give a huge thank you to sam m nadine c jess adam z Shannon H, Martha M, Aaron G, Eduardo L, and Kelsey, who doubled their pledge on oh. Patreon. So Thanks, thank Kelsey. you. Thank you for all that. Uh, yeah. So a, a, at the rate of a dollar a month, you get access to all of our bonus episodes. As we were talking about at the beginning of the show, uh, that vegan 2018 slash just egg review, as well as a number of other bonus apps, uh, most of which are film reviews, a couple where we're just sort of interviewing each other and or sort of reflecting on the podcast. We have our how to start a podcast uh, episode up there as well. And if you pledge at higher rates, you can get merch, you can get early access to episodes, 
um, all that good stuff. So if you want to get along with that action, you just go to thebeardedvegans.com slash beardo. There's options for the recurring donation via Patreon, one time via PayPal, or there's even just a link to our web store, which right now just has one T-shirt and one sticker that you can buy. <laughs> but maybe more soon. Someday. <laughs> someday. Maybe not soon, but someday. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah. So so thank you to everyone that does that. Like, it, it truly means a lot. You know, certainly don't donate if it causes you any hardship or anything, but we definitely appreciate the support. It helps make our podcast more sustainable for us and more accessible for others in the long run. So uh, thank you for that. Paul, mm-hmm. you know, initially we had a different topic planned for today, but it felt like there was just so much that happened in the last five weeks that it would feel weird to to dive into a topic that we could pretty much put at any point in time. Mm-hmm. So we want to do a little bit of a catch-up episode and talk about some of the biggest stories that were happening. Yesterday on our Facebook and our Instagram, I put the call out and I said, what did we miss? What do you want to hear us talking about? And there was two topics that were sort of got the overwhelming majority of responses and emails to us. The first thing is with Tiffany Haddish, who is a, a black comedian, saying that she would wear fur as a protest. Um, she'll continue to wear fur until the police stop killing black people. And we got a lot of people to to <laughs> requesting for us to talk about that. And I think all we're going to say about that is that, you know, as as white allies, I think it's important for us as in instances like this to sort of stay in our lane and let the vegans of color, specifically black vegans uh, that are doing the work, you know, amplify their voices because many have already spoken out about it. So it's not really our place to to take those reins. So I will direct everyone to a link that we'll put on our show notes, which was written by Christopher Sebastian, um, who we've had on the show before. And the title of this piece is Tiffany Haddish protesting police violence with fur is the embodiment of weaponized oppression. And so we would just direct everyone to that piece. Um, I think that that there's so many great points that are brought up in it and does a much better job than we could possibly do covering that topic. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's very succinct. It's to the point. And like you said, it just makes a lot of great points. It's clear. And yeah, it's a really good it was a really good read. And I would encourage everyone to read it. All right. So with that said, let's move on into our our main discussion. The other thing we got a lot of people asking us about when it first happened and a few other people mentioned it when we put this call out. uh, And that was we're going to ask, should vegans be protected by anti-discrimination laws? So this is a story that broke December 3rd is when it sort of blew up all over the place. And the longer I've had to think about it, the more I'm just like, Paul, I feel like we could record three hours on this topic. <laughs> There's so much to talk about here. We'll do our best to keep it succinct. Everyone just checked. Everyone listening to this just checked to see what the actual length of this podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they find out it gets turned into a two-parter. <laughs> so, okay, Paul. Mm-hmm. This first article that we're going to sort of start our discussion with comes to us from The Independent. And it was on December 3rd, 2018. Vegans may get same anti-discrimination rights as religious people in test case. So this article, there's going to be a lot of reading. Um, we've, we've condensed the article as much as possible, but it, just for all the context and all the discussion purposes, we are going to read a bit of it. So uh, let's go for that right now. A tribunal is to decide whether veganism is a philosophical or religious belief during a landmark legal action that could significantly extend the rights of vegans. 
and apologies for this pronunciation, Jordi Kazmitiana, uh, I think it's how it's pronounced, claims he was sacked by the league against Cruel Sports after raising concerns that its pension fund was being invested into companies involved in animal testing. He claims he was unfairly disciplined for making this disclosure and that the decision to dismiss him was because of his philosophical belief in ethical veganism. The league disputes unfair treatment and dismissal. Jordy's employment tribunal is now set to decide if veganism is a legally, quote, protected characteristic that should be treated in a similar way to a religious belief. Mr. Kazmitiana is seeking to bring a case against the organization under the Equality Act of 2010 on the grounds that he was discriminated against as an ethical vegan. The zoologist has followed the lifestyle for more than 17 years. Before the matter can proceed, however, the tribunal must decide if veganism comes under the Equality Act. The act protects those who have a religious or philosophical belief from discrimination, but it is unclear if these definitions extend to ethical veganism. Campaigners are hoping that the hearing will establish that the ethical vegan lifestyle is capable of protection under the law. Uh, Mr. Davies, who is one of the lawyers, added, this could be a landmark ruling that will not only recognize the validity and the importance of veganism, but also confirm that the needs of vegans in their employment and their everyday lives must be taken seriously. Mr. Kazmitiana, who is raising funds online for his legal costs, wrote in a post on the Society's website that if the case is successful, it is, quote, very likely that ethical veganism will effectively be established in law as a philosophical belief and discrimination against ethical vegans will be unlawful. If the hearing is successful, a full and separate hearing will be held to determine whether his former employer discriminated against him due to his ethical veganism. His solicitor, Peter Daly, said the tests for determining whether a belief reaches the required threshold for protection from discrimination are well established, but they are exacting. It is our view that the tests are comfortably met by a belief in ethical veganism and that Mr. Kazmitiana's personal belief is sufficiently strong to achieve that protection. Ethical veganism is more than a simple dietary choice. It is a particular and well-defined philosophical view about the relationship between humans and animals. It is based on well-considered and substantial philosophical thinking. We look forward to demonstrating that before the tribunal. But a spokesperson for the league said the charity emphatically rejects the claim that Mr. Kazmiano was sacked for his views, adding, The discussion about veganism being a philosophical belief is a thought-provoking one which many of our staff will be interested in. However, this debate has absolutely no connection for why he was sacked. It's sad that one of our former employees who is passionate about protecting animals is now trying to bring into disrepute a charity, which is not only one of the most important pro-animal voices in this country, but also no doubt one of the most vegan-friendly employers. Mr. Kazmitiana was dismissed from his position because of gross misconduct, and to link his dismissal with issues pertaining to veganism is factually wrong. Ooh. All right. Thank you, for, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> bearing with that lengthy reading right there. Um, so at this point, uh, Jordi Casmediana is actually raising funds to pay for these legal fees, which right now has raised over 7,000. The initial goal was 5,000. And he says that actually he'll need a total of probably 40,000 to see this thing through all the way to the end. And so, Paul, reading that article from the independent which is one of the first that i saw coming out with information about this it felt like there was kind of something missing in terms of 
what exactly was it? Why exactly was was he fired? And so he goes into it on his crowdjustice.com website, which I'm assuming is like their Kickstarter kind of website. And so do you want to read that? Read his side of the yeah. thing? Yep. So this is from crowdjustice.com. In September 2016, I returned to work at a prominent animal welfare charity that I had worked for some years before. I was enrolled in the charity's pension, but I discovered that the pension was investing in companies, including pharmaceutical and tobacco companies, who are known to engage in animal testing. I raised this with my employer as their investment in such companies was directly contradictory to the reason for the existence and values of the organization. At first, they agreed with me and stated that the pension fund would be changed. Then they told to all staff that the pension had been changed to an ethical fund, then admitted to me, but not to all my colleagues that it hadn't been changed. And finally, they stated that I could personally change mine. At my request, they sent an email around to staff, which gave only one ethical fund alternative, which offered worse rates of return than some of the other ethical pension funds that were also available. When I wrote to my colleagues to tell them that their pension was being invested in non-ethical funds and that there were alternatives to the single alternative that the company was suggesting, I was sacked. I was given no appeal hearing. And the last thing I'll add is that he told CNN that his case is, quote, a combination of whistleblowing and discrimination because rather than punishment, I was summarily dismissed for gross misconduct. They could have given me a warning. They might have thought I would not drop the case as an ethical vegan, so they may have thought it was better to get rid of me. All right, Paul. Mm -hmm. there, as I said, there's so much to talk about. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to ask you, though, is do you think that the so there's two parts of this hearing. The first part is, will the courts assign ethical veganism to be a protected belief? And then there'll be the second part. We'll decide if what the company did was legal or not. Um, but as, in regards to that first part, do we think that he can win? Do you think that he can that he could establish ethical veganism as a belief that is protected in the way that a religion is protected? Well, the thing the, here. Here's the thing, Andy, that in that in that like the the what is it? The Equality Act, it it mentions religious beliefs, but also philosophical beliefs. And and so to me, it's like, yeah, of course, veganism would be a philosophical belief. Like what what would be a philosophical belief that that's something that would be, you know, so uh, like that would be s such a big part of a person's identity as to be protected as to have warranted them to specifically include that in this act. Like I'm trying to think about what, what they would consider a philosophical belief that warrants protection by this act. Honestly, Paul, I'm not entirely sure. Like I looked up a list of philosophical beliefs and they have like existentialism, Marxism, post-structuralism, but but I was like I was curious like I looked up the Equality Act of 2010 because that is the act that is being used to sort of push this forward, and what that act was is that I guess there was sort of just like a smattering of anti discrimination laws, and the Equality Act is what sort of brought them together under one roof, made it easier to understand and like easier to figure out what discrimination meant, who was protected, and just directly from the the UK website gov.uk they have a section called discrimination your rights and protected characteristics yeah they list a bunch 
they say age, gender reassignment, being married, being pregnant or on maternity leave, disability, race, nationality, ethnic or national origin, sex, sexual orientation. And then the final one is religion or belief. So it doesn't say philosophical belief in the wording of, of the government document here. But I am curious what belief is protected. I couldn't really find an answer for that. Yeah, like it. I don't know. I, I, to me, it seems like because to go back to your original your question, Andy, which was do you, do we think he can win? To me, it seems like he might because that seems like veganism, ethical veganism, would be considered a philosophical belief, and and for that reason, I think that that maybe that he has a chance of winning this. Yeah, uh, like if I'm being honest, I I really feel like it's really just going to come down to the leanings of the judge or judges or tribunal members or whoever it is that decides this. It honestly feels like it really is just going to come down to which way they kind of lean on the issue. Like if there's someone that's just generally feels like they're annoyed by vegans and vegans don't have a good point. I feel like it could easily not be considered a philosophical belief that is worthy of protection. You know, but if it is someone that's, you know, seen like a cowspiracy and a what the health and a couple other films or has a few vegan friends and realize that there is sort of some some solid ethical groundwork for it and they're already sort of predisposed to not hating vegans, I feel like I could see it going in that direction. I could, you know, I could also see it going in the direction similar to that. The what was it? Justice the horse. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that. We had even said ourselves during during when we were talking about it, we were like, oh, this could be this could open up, you know, th- this could o- or maybe we were quoting an article that like, oh, if this case wins, then this could open up a lot of other cases. And we framed it as a good thing. And that was that exact rhetoric was used against it. I think the either the judge or or the people who were arguing against it said made made the argument oh, well, this case shouldn't win because then it's going to open up, like, what, is every animal going to start suing then? It's like that kind of (laughs) argument. But that's what I would worry about for this case, I think, that someone could make that argument and then people, like, this kind of, you know, propaganda scare tactic of being like, oh, now, like, what, do you want vegans to be suing over every every single little thing now or something like that? Yeah, I I think that that is definitely something we should put a pin in to discuss later, which is, like, what sort of path does this lead us down? What other strongly held beliefs could people claim in order to receive certain treatment or certain accommodations? And I think that that is something that's that's definitely worthy of discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as, you know, looking at the Equality Act from the the criteria that they give us, it does feel as if there are a number of things that point towards the fact that this could potentially go in Jordy's favor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've, we were hopeful about the justice, the horse thing as well. And that didn't go through, but yeah, but I think there's sort of, I mean, there is a, if the, the comments on any single article that I read about this is any indication, there is certainly a lot of people that feel that this entire thing is ridiculous, but I feel like even like the idea of a horse suing their, their caretaker being ridiculous, I feel like way more people had that 
sort of notion that this is preposterous, this is ludicrous, this should not exist. Uh, a lawsuit that's being done on behalf of someone that can't even, you know, give their desire for the lawsuit to happen kind of thing. Whereas this does have human beings that are capable of articulating with the language and, and, you know, systems that we have put in place for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that for that reason, I think a lot more people or at least judges might take this more seriously than a horse or a monkey, you know, suing for their selfie or something like that. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Do you think it's going to win? I, I mean, just because I feel cynical about this, you know, like, I feel like, I feel like it could win. I, I don't think that it will be immediately dismissed, but I also just f don't know if society is ready for it. <laughs> and, you know, often the laws sort of lag behind where society is at. And it seems like it's rare that the laws are being super proactive or super progressive, you know, with, mm -hmm. a, with a few instances that can prove that, that wrong, I'm sure. But in general, it feels like it's, it's not going to happen yet, but I, I will certainly, you know, this is not going to trial until March, I believe. Mm -hmm. So I will be real curious to see how it ends up. But then if this does pass, then there's like the other question of, was he discriminated against by his work? And so also in the, the Equality Act of 2010 in the UK, they sort of list who, like, how are people protected from discrimination? And it says they're protected at work, in education, as a consumer, when using public services, when buying or renting property, and as a member or guest of a private club or association. And also says that you can sort of voluntarily do something on behalf of a discriminated class, which they call taking a positive action. And so it says taking positive action is legal if people with protected characteristic are at a disadvantage and have particular needs are underrepresented in an activity or a type of work. And so I guess like the argument would be, is it a particular need for a vegan for their pension fund to not be investing in something that they're they're morally opposed to? But here's the thing, Andy, is that the company did offer an alternative. It was a it was a worse alternative in, in terms of the money, but it was an alternative. So I would say to answer your question, I don't think that he was being discriminated against in that case because they did offer an alternative. Now, I, what I believe is the 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 argument comes in. Was he was he fired because he was vegan? Like, I think that's the case that he could make. I don't think he could make a case about saying, oh, they didn't they were doing this thing that was against my beliefs. They would the, the company would just say, no, he was this is you admitted yourself. This was the alternative that we offered that would align with your beliefs. Yeah. I mean, that's that's to me, that's the tricky part, because it, if he is protected from discrimination you know, is he, is he being fired for being vegan or is he being fired for causing a commotion in the workplace or a rabble using rouser. a rabble rouser, you know, being a whistleblower? Is he, you know, is he being a whistleblower more than he, a vegan in terms of why they want to fire him? Because he wouldn't just let them get away with like the easy solution of being like, well, fine, here's a crappier portfolio that aligns with your beliefs. Now, some some might argue that vegans are used to accepting 
you know, a subpar, you know, in order to uphold our beliefs, we're willing to accept maybe some loss of, of texture of what we're used to in like the vegan meats or something like that. Now, obviously that is becoming less and less the, the case these days, but some might argue that that's sort of a necessity of maintaining our ethical beliefs is having these concessions in certain parts of our lives. But Andy is the, the thing though, is like, I I'm leaning towards the, I'm leaning towards like he was not fired for being vegan. And, and I'm more so leaning towards he was fired for exposing this thing, whether or not you think it's like the super sinister thing, or if, if the company just like, wasn't, it was a case of them just not putting in enough effort to, to appease his needs. Like, it seems like, and, and we also haven't really heard or, or in the articles that we've looked at it, it didn't really say that the company or the organization itself didn't really go into details about why he was fired other than saying it was a gross misconduct. Yeah. But it, is it Andy? Is it illegal? I'm I'm genuinely asking you this. Is it a fireable offense to send emails to your to the, your employers and be like, "This company is doing shady things," and then the company fires you for that? Like, is that can companies do that, or is that illegal? <laughs> well, you're asking me a question that I don't know the answer to, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess is whistleblowing illegal i don't know if that's so that's too broad to like have a yes or no answer but so on the little bit of research that i did in terms of whistleblowing i did find that it seems like there are at least in the united states can't speak for the uk but in the united states there are a number of laws that on some level do protect whistleblowers Um, that doesn't mean that people that that are whistleblowers still won't face some sort of action by the company or stigma in the company or, or anything else that can happen, but there are supposed to be laws in place to do protect that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like, was he fired for having beliefs or was he fired for acting upon those beliefs to the detriment of the company in some way? And also, Andy, I bet you that a lot of those, the laws that you were just bringing up about protecting whistleblowers, I bet you that those laws are more so pertaining to people whistleblowing when the company is doing something illegal or when they're doing something that's like hurting the employees or something like that. And I think many people could make the argument that what he was whistleblowing was not – it wasn't hurting the employees. It was more so he was just – he was saying they're not – they could be doing more. Like that's that's kind of what his his quote whistleblowing was. I don't even know if it would be considered whistleblowing. It's kind of just like I'm upset because they could be doing more and they're just doing the bare minimum. Well, Paul, according to the Wikipedia page about whistleblowing, <laughs> we're going right a, to the the, to the primary source. Yeah. A whistleblower is a person who exposes any kind of information or activity that is deemed illegal, unethical, or not correct within an organization that is either pri- private or public. So I believe that under sort of the ethical vegan framework that this is exposing something unethical, even if it's not necessarily illegal or not correct within an organization. You know, this is an organization that's apparently very pro-animal. So they're they're engaged in activities that are anti-animal by supporting these portfolios that I feel like this does classify as being a whistleblower. I hope they're pro-animal, seeing as it's the League Against Cruel Sports, <laughs> which is also just sounds like a uh, like a a name of an organization you'd see in a comic book that they like couldn't think of a better name. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I still am kind of hung up on the fact that, like, yes, I agree with you, but they also, the company did offer an alternative. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to defend the company so much as I'm saying, does he, does this person really have a case? Because it's more so like the alternative that they offered wasn't up to his standards. Well, the, as as per his crowdfunding page, he said that there was other options that were not detrimental, like that didn't, that weren't a worse option financially that the company refused to offer. But it's it's not their it's not their job to offer every single possible alternative. He said, "I want alternatives to this," and they said, "Here you go. Here's an alternative." Like, is it their job? I mean, I don't know how this stuff works, but is it their job to offer every single possible alternative? Like, that seems unreasonable. Maybe not, but if he's done the research and he's like, well, here, here, I've done all the research. This one's better financially. It's about the same as the other one. Let's offer this instead. It feels like the company should be able to be like, fine, that's an option. Maybe they have contracts they can't break. You know, who knows? But it does feel like the company didn't do enough, like didn't reasonably do enough. And it did feel like the company was just kind of annoyed with the way he was acting. Now, of course the company is being relatively quiet on all of this and he's able to paint his own side of the story. So, you know, we're going off of what, what Jordy is saying about everything. And, you know, there's, there's three sides to every story, right? There's the one side, the other side, and then there's like the truth, which is usually hmm. somewhere in the middle kind of way to look at it. But, I don't know. It feels like there's maybe more to this picture than that is being exposed at this point. And I'm sure the company is staying quiet because of the legal action. More than meets the eye, Andy. Transformers. <laughs> exactly like Transformers. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. And I think I, I think that an argument maybe could be made then that if if he can argue that this wasn't up to my needs as a vegan then then maybe it would fall under the the equality act yeah and i think that's honestly going to be kind of the hardest part to prove is that it was a need of his to have this portfolio not be invested or that it can you know it conflicts with his his you know like because i'm thinking what you know this is one of the questions i want to ask you and let's just ask it right now paul which is which is like what if if say this is established as sort of uh, veganism is established as a protected ideology or philosophy or belief or whatever you know how does one prove that they're an ethical vegan and something that we talked about on the show multiple times is that yes like there is a general sense of what being vegan entails in terms of like actions you take or ways that you should be thinking about animals and all of those things. But that there is, you know, we have a whole podcast basically dedicated to the fact that there is so much gray area and that there are certain things that some vegans engage in and would say other people are not vegan enough for not doing so. And, you know, like, so, so how do they determine that? You know, it's not just like, Oh, here's a religion that says you can't eat pork and you know and and oh but there's degrees of eating pork it's like no you just don't eat pork but there are things that are like well do you check the mono and diglycerides on everything that you eat or are you okay with going to a theme park that sells non-vegan food and you know all of these things that are like sort of these weird gray areas and do you think that they would just go well yeah this portfolio is not ideal but doesn't it just sort of fall into the gray area aspect of of being a vegan 
here's what I got to say about that, Andy. Because I had the, I had the same thought. I had the same exact thought as you when when I first read this. But think about like for instance, Christians, people who are Christian. There is certainly a an incredibly wide swath of types of people and and intensities of belief for people who would call themselves Christian. But if if someone is in some hypothetical situation that I'm coming up with right now, if someone is discriminated against for being Christian, then it 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 doesn't necessarily matter like the degree that they are a Christian because that was the reason no matter what degree they are that was the reason why whatever happened to them happened to them so so like for the vegan thing it, if if someone is fired for being vegan like if the person says i don't want any vegans in working here you're fired it doesn't matter the extent to which that person was vegan they were still fired for that reason and so to me it's it's less about understanding it's less about really nailing down the precise amount that the person is vegan and it's more so establishing the fact that whatever happened to them happened to them because of veganism and that's going to have to do with not them but the the person who did the thing to them because if if it is found in court or whatever if it's found to truly be a case of discrimination based on veganism that means that it has been found that the other person's intent was to specifically, you know, harm that person or not give that person what they wanted or do something to that person because they were vegan. So it doesn't to me it doesn't matter what what level of vegan they are. I th- well I think that's probably pretty accurate although I dispute your idea about intent. But to to so let, let's put a pin in that put a pin mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, intent mm-hmm. to cause harm okay but but i agree that there's just sort of this thing where if someone says i'm a christian that's just sort of accepted that they're a christian and if someone says i'm an ethical vegan that's just sort of accepted like it's if if someone can just say i am a muslim i am jewish i am a christian whatever it might be and you just have to go okay you get the protections then it feels like that if veganism is established to be sort of among that set of of protected class that someone should just be able to say i am vegan and we understand that not all vegans practice in exactly the same way but you know like yeah not all christians practice in exactly the same way but they should all have the same protections offered to every religion regardless of how in depth they practice kind of thing I don't think that's a bad thing, though, because I like like because, Andy, I'll say this originally and I know we're going to we're going to talk about this. So I'll just briefly mention it. But my one of my original reactions to this was are vegans really an oppressed people like that was my that was my my first thing that I thought of. But then it's like, well, like what is it? But then my thought went to, well, is it bad that? we just increase the the bubble of protection i guess against dis, like against unlawful firings or or other stuff like this like would it be a really a bad thing to not like it's not like including vegans in this act is bumping someone else out necessarily or it's not like including vegans in this act is lessening the degree to which we would care about other groups of people or other communities 
And so I was like, well, why is it a bad thing then to just increase the bubble of protection from, say, people getting fired or, or other stuff like that? Well, I, I have seen some argue there's, you know, Paul, there's a lot of think pieces about this <laughs> that have been floating around that including vegans means that it's kind of watering down the protections that are given to others because the, the argument goes that, you know, these, these discrimination protections are for you know, discrimination against people that can't change who they are. You know, it's protecting people that are who they are. Like, for instance, you can't change, you know, being black. You know, you, you can't, I'm going to transition to going black. Uh, I'm doing, you know, black January or, you know, there's not like things like, it's like you are a specific race and you can't not be that thing and therefore you deserve protections. But the argument is that veganism is a choice that someone has made. And therefore, that it's not the same thing. And it's sort of watering down these protections or the meaning of those protections by including vegans into that into that group. But how exactly is it watering down if it's offering the same protections? Because in, in my mind, it's like clearly uh, there are groups – that are being oppressed to a far greater extent than than any vegans have and to a far greater number as well like that's like i mean that's the, that's already making the assumption that vegans are oppressed which we got to talk about so but like so so i i am definitely and, and and i hope i didn't come off this way in my previous statement like i'm definitely not trying to say that vegans need this protection because they are being like discriminated against and oppressed to the same level as other groups that's definitely not it at all but like i wouldn't want someone to get fired because specifically because they're vegan and if i can and if if that's the type of thing that's going to come up in this protection, if if in their inclusion in this in this Equality Act, like yeah, I think that that would be a good thing then, like because I don't want that to happen. I don't imagine that the Equality Act would be uh, being used for vegans in like much more intense types of crimes committed against them as they are all the time committed against other oppressed groups. So it's like, I don't imagine that that would come up, but like, again, why not just include them in that bubble? If it's things like this, like preventing someone from getting fired, if it is truly found to be that he was fired because he was vegan, like, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't really see that as, as watering down other issues or other groups. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think also sort of the, the other sort of, way that that argument that I presented just now doesn't necessarily hold up is, is a religion a choice? It, it, you know, it, that is something that some people can change. I mean, perhaps not everybody, but some might argue that, you know, because people that are protected under this Equality Act, religion, people that are pregnant, people would say, well, pregnancy is a choice. You don't have to be pregnant. So therefore, is that watering it down to include people that are pregnant or need maternity leave? Um, I don't think so. But I feel like that this, 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 protection this equality act protects people more than just who they are that there are some things in there that are falling under sort of choices that people are making you know because not everybody is born with a certain religion people do convert to certain religions and then they would have the protections afforded to them under the equality act and and andy i uh, i'm i gotta be careful saying this but 
I know you'll agree with me, but <laughs> in terms of say the pregnancy thing, which, which I, we've, we've had whole episodes about this before. And, and like, I think I do want obviously believe that people have the right to be, to be pregnant and they should not be discriminated against because of that for sure. But, <laughs> but, Where but is this going Paul, but like, doesn't it seem like, I don't know. I almost feel like veganism being included in this list kind of is a positive because it it legitimizes what vegans stand for and what vegans believe in and and the things that vegans are working for because vegans as like a a movement of allies are fighting against the oppression of this other group of living beings and that seems different than than the than what you were kind of just saying like the things that are choices like for instance the choice to be pregnant maybe do you know do you know what i'm saying like i do agree that it's like i do agree that it's a it's a choice to be vegan but it's it's like more to, to people who are ethically vegan and that's a big part of our identities like it's more than that it's more than just a choice it's almost like this is the this is the thing that we want everyone to be doing versus something like pregnancy where it's not like it's not like pregnant people are going out and saying and pamphleting for other people to get pregnant yeah like yeah. pregnancy pregnancy is not like a movement you know yeah and and like i i i agree with you there's sort of this like um undefinable quality to veganism being a choice which is like it is a choice, but you'll hear so many vegans say that, like, once you know, once I knew the truth, I knew I could never go back. You know, it's not like it's it would be easy to just stop being vegan for a lot of vegans. Now, of course, a lot of people do stop being vegan, but you know, for people that are that are truly committed to it, that it it, fe- it does feel like more than a choice. It feels like a like a moral compulsion to follow through with ethics as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, Andy. I don't know if I was completely off base with the pregnancy thing. I don't know if we're going to get a lot of angry pregnant pregnant emails, but like it, it just seems to me like th- there already is a there already is a ver- included in the people who are protected in the protected characteristics. There already is a wide variety because I would argue that being protected against racial discrimination looks very different than being protected against being than being protected for something like maternity leave which i believe to be important but looks very different in practice i think so to me including veganism is not like is not trying to equate those two things as being the same or facing the same struggles or being of the same intensity you know yeah i i, I think that's that's fair enough uh, you know, I'll circle back to this right now before we lose it, because I said I wanted to put a pin on your idea of things need to be direct discrimination mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. intentionally trying to cause abuse. And actually, in the Equality Act of 2010 on that that website that we'll put the link to on our, our, our show notes there, it said discrimination can come in one of the following forms. And there's a bunch of forms. There's direct discrimination, which is what you were talking about. There's harassment. There's victimization. But there's also indirect discrimination, which they define as putting rules or arrangements in place that apply to everyone, but that put someone with a protected characteristic at an unfair disadvantage. So it doesn't necessarily have to be done with in, uh, the intent to cause harm 
or to otherize or to cast out or or further disadvantage anyone. It, it can be sort of unintentional rules. And and I 100% agree that 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 should be in there. Like I'm glad that that's in there, but I don't see how I don't know circling back to to what we're talking about it's like I'm I'm trying to think Andy about how including veganism ethical veganism in this act would what it would look like in practice and to me the things I can think about are like being fired from a job or not having access to vegan food or something like that and these are things that I I would want companies to or and organizations to provide for their employees so like to me i can't really see how like i i can't i don't see the slippery slope like i don't see this becoming something like in the like i maybe the more that i think about it the more that i think it's not like the justice the horse argument where there's going to be this slope and then all these animals are going to start suing like i don't think all these vegans are going to start suing i think that if anything it would increase to it it would it would it would end up being companies maybe including more vegan options like that seems like the thing that companies would have to do is like oh i gotta buy my vegans some hummus wraps and like that's it for the most part so I don't, and I don't see that as a bad thing. Again, I don't see them as organizations, you know, legally being obliged to provide these dietary needs, which I feel like kind of probably is already in place at many at many organizations and companies, anyways. That they have to, you know, adhere to the dietary restrictions of their employees. So I don't see it as a bad thing. I don't really see it as having some sort of slippery slope. I just see it as a good thing, and I hope that it is included. So there, Andy. That's what I got to say about it. <laughs> I like what you have to say about it. Well, I mean, I guess I'm in line with you in that it doesn't really feel like there's much downside to including veganism in the scope of like the Protection Act. And I guess before we can talk about like what would it mean for this to pass, like what further protections would it actually give to people aside from maybe not being fired if someone says I'm vegan and then immediately like, well, you're fired for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you you already asked this, but guess what? I'm going to ask it. I'm going to throw it right back at you, Paul. <laughs> Do you think that vegans are a discriminated class? I I would say no. It would be my original, uh, would be my initial reaction. I think no. I think that it is possible. Like I am, I have no doubt that. People have been, you know, fired from jobs at some point, and the reason was, like, I'm sick of you being vegan. I'm sick of you maybe talking about this all the time or, like, in that one case that we read, you're not able to (laughs) taste the food, so I'm firing you or I'm just not going to hire you. Like, to me, that seems like the extent of it. I know in our review of in our review of Vegan 2018, the plant-based news movie, I actually said I was surprised at that there was a few clips of people like threatening vegans with violence who were who were protesting. But I don't think that necessarily counts. I think that that's like that those people are doing that in reaction to this protest, which while still wrong, terribly, terribly wrong, I don't think counts as vegans being a discriminated class. So I would say no. Final answer. Yeah, I mean, I I have to agree with you there. So there's like this one hand where I'm like, well, it wouldn't be, I don't think, it's hard for me to find a downside 
to this whole thing going through and, and veganism being classified as being protected. But I also am like, so it's, it's hard to feel like we are necessarily a discriminated class. And obviously there can be degrees of that. And like you said, like certain people that are protected under this are going to require different protections and they can look very different. For instance, racial discrimination versus maternity leave. But it just doesn't really, it would be, I don't think that we're a discriminated class. And I think that saying that centers humans in veganism, whereas we should always keep in mind that we're the allies to the animals and that veganism is not about us, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, so much of it, you know, so much of what we do is about us, you know, going to festivals and the movies and all of those things are things that are catering to the human allies within this movement. But like, ultimately, we are there because we have a goal. And that goal is the ultimate liberation of animals. And so it's just really hard for me to see us as a discriminated class. And yeah, like, people make fun of vegans, the vegan is not considered cool, and all of these things. But it it's just feels like we don't face the same discrimination or the extent of discrimination that almost all these other protected classes get. And that it's, I don't know, like we are not facing the threat of violence and death, typically speaking. We're not facing being fired, typically speaking. This seems this case kind of seems like an outlier, but maybe it's not. And so I guess it just feels like, I don't know, I can't see vegans really feeling like we're discriminated against and when people sort of say that it almost feels like we're losing sight of what this movement's about and we're centering ourselves too much in this movement but with that said paul i did find something pretty interesting which is like i want to ask you like in what ways are vegans discriminated against so i sort of just googled like are vegans discriminated against and i got there was a lot of you know, core questions being answered and think piece and stuff like that. And really most of what all those things came down to was people saying people make fun of me as a vegan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering if like, do we feel like that's discrimination or are we talking about sort of discrimination? that's more like in the face of the law. Are those two things kind of different things, but, but mostly it was just people like people are not nice to me because I'm vegan and I guess that's discrimination, but it just doesn't feel like it holds the weight of all the other discrimination we're talking about. I, I agree with that. Like, I, I think, yes, it's like it could be harassment, which I think would be a form of discrimination. I don't think, like you said, that it's it's to the level of a lot of these other groups. But I think it's also important to remember, Andy, like the inclusion, the the protected characteristics are not there to like they're not naming oppressed groups they're naming the characteristics of what could be an oppressed group but Mm -hmm. you know it's like it says religion and race and all that stuff so it's like technically you know a, a white christian is still protected under this act the same way that anyone else would be so i don't think that including veganism is again i don't think that it's saying like these are discriminated people i think that it's saying hey you can't you can't do things because someone is you can't do things to this person because they're vegan like i don't think it's necessarily saying this is an uh, like this is an oppressed group or this is a discriminated type of person yeah or or at the very least it's not necessarily equating all of those types of oppression together yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Well, so what's interesting is in my searches, I found this poll that was conducted by a group in Scotland called Go Vegan Scotland, and they polled a little over 540 people, uh, 480 of which were vegans, and the rest were all sort of plant-based eaters. So they made the distinction between someone that is just eating a plant-based diet versus someone that ascribes to the ethical philosophy of veganism. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll put a link to this. Uh, the results of survey on vegan provision in Scotland is the title of it. And basically, they were asking people, have you ever felt discriminated against as a vegan? And the the poll is, the the whole paper is like 34 pages long, but most of it is just sort of the results of the statistics. And they kind of have a little claim. They're like, we don't claim that this is some peer-reviewed, double-blind study, blah, blah, you know, all that stuff. This is sort of our unscientific findings, but we talked to a lot of people. This is what we found. And so most of those people did feel like they had been discriminated against, and they gave some examples of of ways in which that discrimination manifests itself. So uh, just read a little bit from that. Currently, our hospitals, schools, and other state entities do not consistently provide for the needs of vegans. Indeed, many do not provide at all. Vegans report instances of hospital stays, which include instances of vegans not eating for days at a time where they can only rely on family members to, to bring food in or they have to discharge early so they can go and eat. Um, pressure from medical professionals for parents to feed their children cow's milk. Vegans with eating disorders being denied access to vegan food. Being told veganism was not permitted. Uh, all sorts of derogatory comments and inaccurate advice. And I mean, the, the, the list just sort of goes on and on and on. And I found it to be like pretty interesting and it went beyond just people are kind of mean to me as a vegan. It went into areas of discrimination where people weren't getting proper medical care because the doctor found out, oh, you're vegan, so you're probably just lacking in iron. And then later on, they find out, well, your iron levels are totally fine. And we just sort of overlooked it, you know, in the way that like a lot of fat people don't get proper medical treatment because they go in for a broken arm and the doctor's like, well, you should lose weight. And you're like, okay, but that's not what I came in here for. And they just Mm -hmm. sort of focus on the thing that they've been taught or that in their own sort of discriminatory minds are thinking clearly this is the reason for it, you know, because we know there is not a lot of education about plant based diets out there. And so. Uh, so I th- I did find that a little bit more compelling and to say that like, well, this is these are things in which people with certain ethical beliefs, you know, if someone is is ethically opposed to eating pork because of their religion, should they be forced to eat pork in the hospital or or eat nothing at all? I don't think so. Like that feels like that should be something that's protected. Um, even of course we don't want people eating pork uh, or pig's flesh at all, but, uh, you know, it feels like in that regard, it makes sense that, that they would want to establish veganism as a protected belief because that would mandate that it's, it's accommodated in these public facilities. Yeah. And I, I kind of touched on this before, but I feel like it also, it, including veganism in that list helps to make it more serious, you know, it, like make it taken more seriously because, while I do not believe that like our morals and ethics come from the law, like there are certainly many people that are like, oh, well, this thing is legal. So obviously it's OK and it's and it's justified because it's legal or conversely, like this thing is not OK because it is not legal. And that's the only reason that it's not OK. So I do feel like 
this would be a win not only for the people who are being directly affected by those those things that you just listed, like hospitals and schools not having enough, not providing any vegan food. I think that that would be taken care of. But then also, I feel like it would help. It'd be something that would help shift the the culture of how we perceive veganism and the fact that it is something that should be taken seriously because it's like a thing that people truly believe is the the way that we should be living yeah yeah so i mean i guess kind of where i come down to this is no i don't believe that we're necessarily a discriminated class but it feels like it would only be positives would happen if this went through yeah do i believe that it's going to go through i'm not sure but i hope that it does yeah i mean i think that it really obviously like any legal case just sort of comes down to how it's argued. But I think that, you know, this is someone that's been practicing veganism, ethical veganism for 17 years and is clearly an important part about, you know, his identity. He, there's lots of photos of him at protests and he like, he's engaging in it. It wasn't like he just sort of cherry picked this one little instance to speak up about. And it feels like it could go through. And I don't know, this whole conversation like I expected to go into this kind of being a little dismissive of it and be like, we're not a discriminated class and this whole thing's ridiculous. But the more that we're talking about, the more I start to feel like, yeah, even though I still feel like we're not discriminated against uh, to the extent that a lot of these other classes are, if it can be something that ensures that vegan options are available in prisons and hospitals. And, you know, we've seen stuff like that start to pass like in California pretty recently anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but even if it can be like, you know, because some of the things listed in this this uh, document from from Govig in Scotland talks about teachers mocking vegan children or, or, you know, things like that. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like this would be a step in the direction of society taking veganism more seriously. I think that's good. Yeah. But then but I guess let me ask you about this. Like, do you worry because all of the headlines are basically should veganism be protected like religions? And so there's all these comparisons to veganism being a religion. Do you feel like there's any negatives to that? Uh, I mean, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's the negative is that it is inaccurate. Um, I think I don't know. I, 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 I think that. There are many people who who have unfavorable views about religion, and I think that that might be a negative. But at the same time, I almost feel like uh, – you know what? I was about to say I don't feel like most people view veganism as a religion, but there are certainly people who think of veganism as this you know, fanatical cult-like belief. So maybe I'm, in, maybe I'm wrong. I would say a lot of people – throw that argument in my face that like you're preaching you sound like you sound like a, a preacher or someone that's on the pulpit trying to proselytize and, and change people and it's just you know you adhere to these strict rules just like a religion for no reason you know all of these things and obviously we we vastly disagree with it and actually in the document from scotland there is a little moment where they say something along the line i'm trying to find it right now but something along the lines of you know uh, wait, okay, so here it is. That is not to say that veganism is like a religion. It is not, but rather that we have as a society recognized the importance of protecting people's rights to hold and live according to fundamental convictions to the same extent as we respect their right to hold and live according to religious beliefs. So 
Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I do worry seeing all the headlines that it would lead some people to be more dismissive of veganism if they're like, it's just like a religion. Because obviously there are a lot of people that are not religious and a lot of people that use the the comparison to it being like a religion to be dismissive of and not give serious consideration to our moral obligation towards animals. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I think I, I get what you're saying and I agree with you. I think I'm I'm less worried about that, though. Yeah, I mean, the the headlines will certainly fade over time. Headlines will fade. All things shall fade, Andy. <laughs> this too shall pass. All right, so, Paul, this this maybe is kind of silly, but I guess in terms of thinking about, like, the slippery slope, do you think that, you know, in a comparison to a, a pretty famous uh, religious argument that happened in the U.S. over the last couple of years is, do you think this could lead to, like, a vegan baker refusing to sell a vegan cake to a non-vegan wedding? I would say no, because that would be a terrible business model and they would probably, (laughs) they would probably not survive very long if they were at the current population of vegans. Maybe this will be a thing when, you know, when vegans are half of the population or more then then I think that would be uh, sustainable. But at the current moment, I don't know. I I can't see something like that happening. Although, although Andy, you know, it's like we've certainly see instances in the news of businesses refusing to serve specific individuals because of their shitty views, you know? So it's like, or vice versa, <laughs> yeah. a, a business with shitty views refusing, refusing to, to serve a specific type of person. So I guess we do see that now and, and maybe, maybe that is in our future, but right now I would say, no, I don't foresee that happening. Okay, one more slippery slope thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you think that this could lead, relating back to the vegan jobs thing, could this lead to a vegan business refusing to hire a non-vegan employee because they know that the wages that they are paying them will go to purchase non-vegan food or non, you know, go to SeaWorld or whatever it is, and that that is not in accordance with the company's values? I don't know if... I don't know if the company could come out and say that. I think if they came out and said that, then they might be in some some trouble. But I certainly think that they would probably be able to get away with just not hiring the person because of that reason, but not stating that. Yeah. I, I think it would be silly of them to to publicly say that because I think they would come over come under a lot of fire because of that. And possibly, Andy, in the same way that, you know, this the protected characteristic of of race and color includes white people by by the definition of it would including veganism also be protecting non-vegans from being from being discriminated quote discriminated yeah so maybe maybe th- they would come under fire because they're like no you're discriminating against non-vegans and it is protected by the the amended equality act of 2010 I guess time will tell, Paul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, uh, sh- should we wrap it up there? I would say so. All right. Um, well, I'm sure there's a lot that we missed in this discussion. So feel free to send us an email. Let us know what you thought of this, uh, why we're wrong, what we missed, or you know what you, what you liked about it. Uh, you can send that to thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. And once again, you can support the podcast by going to thebeardedvegans.com slash Beardo. <laughs> the Bearded Vegans. There's a nice musicality to that. Yeah. Andy, do you, do you have anything coming up? Question well, mark? 
you know, these are a while away, but I feel like it's just been so long since I've set any dates. So I'll say March 24th and 25th, I'll be at Vegan Street Fair in Los Angeles, California. That's right. Vegan Street Fair is expanding to two days this year. Ooh. Yeah, it took. They had to reach thirty three thousand people before they decide to expand, which uh, I appreciate. <laughs> and then March thirtieth, I'll be at the Indie Veg Fest in Indianapolis, Indiana. So Andy Veg Fest, uh, Indianapolis. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna stop announcing that one for a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so at any of those events, you can find me behind the Compassion Company table, um, and you can look for the bright green tablecloth and the unicorn T-shirts. And I'll be there. Come say what's up, Beardo, and I'll give you a button or sticker. Hmm, I forgot, I forgot and, that yeah. we did that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, it's if, been a long time. <laughs> and if you want more of those uh, dates, deets, and links, just go to CompassionCo.com and check the events tab. And that'll have all the information on all the events I'll be at up through July is my latest event that I have confirmed at the moment. So all right. hope to see some beardos there. Yeah. Paul, I, I really hope that this does pass, though, because I think then for the first time in documented human history... We could say that you are completely protected whenever you say the following seven words. We are the Bearded Vegans, signing off. Rolling... Are you rolling, rolling, rolling? <laughs> yes, I am. I, I don't know. You probably could. It's a little saucy. <laughs> Sauce might get everywhere. Well, you know. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Ethical vegan is... Goddamn. And the relationship between humans and... It, oh. But just st- straight from the UK government website, gov.uk slash discrimination slash your slash rights. No, that's not going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> but if it is if, if it is someone that's seen Cowspiracy and a few other documents, document it. But document, I can't talk. Yeah. And and Andy, I'm I'm sorry. I'm terribly distracted by the fact that you've put a lamp on behind you. It's very dark, so now it just looks like you're in a witness protection thing, and <laughs> all I see is your shadowy outline. <laughs> your voice has started to get very deep, and it's starting to get <laughs> what jumbled are you talking up. about, Paul? <laughs> I'm right, just trying um, to record a podcast. <laughs> well, I think... Okay, so I... Uh... <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Andy? I don't think anything...